Hey, witches. Welcome to The Lion, The Witch, and The Podcast. We are two mystic Leos discussing spirituality and human condition in the post-pandemic world. So hop in, witches, for going hexing. Hey. Hey. How's it going? How's it going? Um, how's it going? Oh, yo, dude. Well, you know this. Everyone, I'm reading a book. <laughs> so excited for you. Tell us about it. I know. Okay, so I don't read. I really don't read, and that sounds terrible, but I just don't like reading. But anyway, I got a gift, and this book, I literally like started crying as soon as I started, well, as soon as I saw it and all of that. So it is the sequel to The Nightmare Before Christmas. Did anyone know if that was a thing? I, didn't I know had that. no you know idea. That? Right? 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 So the book is called Long Live the Pumpkin Queen by Shea Earnshaw. And it is Sally's story, like after the Nightmare Before Christmas. And I got it on Friday and I am almost done with it, which I'm very impressed with myself. I'm very impressed because like every single night, like I try and read like two to three pages and I'm like, this is so fucking good. Yeah. I'm going to mail it to you because you need to fucking read it. And if you haven't read it or if you haven't gotten it, you should go get it because it's really, really dope to hear Sally's story. Like mm. Sally deserves a story and there's a plot twist in there. Like Uh-oh. it's, I was like, oh shit. Like this is some good shit. Nice. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, everyone should go get it. My week has been very witchy because of that. Uh, yes. How witchy has your week been? It's been a terrible week. I'm not going to lie. I am not going to lie. But that is, that's okay. Um, If you guys listen to our um, episode with Alejandra Luisa Leon, um, two episodes ago now, um, about, you know, that feline lioness energy. Yeah. Rebirth period. Transformational period. There is a lot that is changing in my life. Good change, though. It's painful, but it's good change. Um, I'm setting boundaries. I'm learning about the people around me. I'm learning more about what I deserve and more about my self-worth because for the first time, taking it seriously. So yeah, if you have had situations where your self-worth and respect from others has really come up for you recently, I feel you. All I can say is my new tarot deck, the Southern Botanical Oracle, Southern Gothic Botanical Oracle is just been my best friend right now, just in that that time of of therapy. And also therapy has been great too. Um, My therapist is a queen. Um, But yeah, you know, it's been a hard week. There's been a lot going on, but yeah, I'm taking it easy um, and I'm coming back to self. I'm, I'm coming back to center and grounding and yeah, just working on boosting my self-confidence. So it's been a week, but you're next doing, week will be a better one. You're doing a lot of shadow work, dude, like mm-hmm. a lot. And it's so good. And I'm seeing you through it. And like, I, I fucking relate. I validate mm-hmm. I like I I, I relate you. I validate I, I validate <laughs> I fucking validate like to a T it's hard it's really hard but you have to do it for yourself and a lot mm. of people are going through that right now it's a they huge, are it's a huge theme I mean 
Also, fuck, look what's going on in the world. Like, could it not get any worse with everything going on? <laughs> what is happening? It's honestly, <laughs> like, what is happening? And we really need to find our strength and really, like, stand up for what we believe in and stand up for ourselves and stand up for the people that, like, we love and yeah. respect and they respect us. And, I mean, that's kind of a perfect segue to go into who we are talking about today because right yeah <laughs> and it's interesting that you called out the term strength strength is really a theme right now um when I was pulling from my new deck I pulled the pine tree card the white pine card and um that was a card of strength it's about standing strong during a difficult period you know pine trees stand really strong during the winter months um but we today are talking about probably the one goddess that really pops up in my mind over and over and over again when we think about the term strength. Welcome back to our Simple Goddess series. We are talking today about my patron goddess, Hecate. I'm excited. Mm, 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 mm. This is going to be so fucking juicy. So juicy, so delicious. I'm going to go in with our resources for today. So today we are pulling from the Fioi Project, Hecate, Goddess of Witches by Courtney Weber, Entering Hecate's Garden by Cindy Brennan, Pathos.com, Hesiod's Theogony, Cindy Brennan's KeepingHerKeys.com, and Helion.com. We also have a disclaimer and just a reminder. Um, we talk about this a lot, but just to, to put it into some good words, we just like to remind everyone that our Simple Goddess series seeks to provide a simple and comprehensible overview of ancient divinities. Like many of the goddesses we will explore in our time producing this series, Hecate is an example of a deity that has traversed many different and ancient cultural landscapes and is a popular topic of divine discourse and deep exploration within the community. With this episode, as with all of our episodes, we are trying our best to deliver some key informative points of interest on this mythical figure, but we strongly encourage each and every one of you with interest to dive further into the research to do so and to form your own conclusions and feelings on this topic. Are you ready? Girl, I am ready. Let's go. Who is Hecate? The Theoi Project describes Hecate as a goddess of magic, witchcraft, the night, the moon, ghosts, and necromancy, holding dominion over earth, sky, and sea. Courtney Weber, author of Hecate, Goddess of Witches, says that like many goddesses of the old world, Hecate's origins are mysterious. She is commonly known as a goddess of ancient Greece, a period which is generally understood to encompass 1200 BCE to 500 CE. But she did not originate there. She may have originated from the Minonian civilization, 2700 to 1100 BCE, or was at least influenced by gods of that culture. Evidence of Hecatean worship has been found in Sicily, Libya, Turkey, Bulgaria, and Syria. One of the earliest records of Hecate in Thrace is from Abdera, a 6th century colony in what is now Turkey. And the town of Legina is thought to be the home to her most important cult center. The first writer to describe her was the poet Hesiod, who lived in ancient Greece between 750 and 650 BCE and wrote about Hecate as though she was already quite familiar, hinting that we are looking at a very ancient goddess indeed. Hecate is described in the myths as being older than the other gods, sometimes coming from an unspecified, faraway place. 
Hecate owns a shifting but ever-present role amongst the Greek gods. She is believed to have been worshipped among the oldest of the gods of Olympus and was even considered an equal to the Olympian king Zeus, Courtney Weber says. She is first described as a titan, one of the giants of the universe whom Zeus overthrew, but instead of fighting Zeus with the other titans, Hecate joined his campaign, helping tear down the old ways and make space for the new. It is argued that either in thanks for her support or Zeus during his campaign, he gave her dominion over earth, sea, and sky. But it is also argued Hecate's power in these areas comes from her parents, Asteria and Persis, in some traditions. Zeus and Asteria and even other sources claim she is direct descendant of Gaia, Oronos, and Okeanos. Uh, the gods, and little personifications of the earth, the sea, and the sky. Hecate's parentage is hotly contested. She appears in many forms, as a singular character or as a triple-faced collection of women, sometimes that with the heads of animals. When depicted as three identical goddesses, the figures commonly range around a pillar, either staring out or striding in a circle, each carrying a torch, libation bowl, or fruit, accompanied by dogs. Hecate appears on earth in sacred spaces, her head crowned in oak, coils of serpents around her shoulders. It was said that when she was summoned, one could not look upon her because they would be destroyed, for she was too terrible to look upon, her entrance announced by the howling of hounds. She must do her work unobserved, as seeing her would send her back to the underworld and prevent her from completing her task, which would be disastrous for the person who interrupted her. The extensive power possessed by Hecate was probably a reason that she subsequently was confounded and identified with several other divinities, and at length became a mystic goddess, to whom mysteries were celebrated in Semothrace. By some sources, she is considered the queen of all nature, and we find her identified with Demeter or Rhea. Being a huntress and the protector of youth, she is sometimes called Artemis, specifically Artemis of the Gates who could rush among the noise of the chase as a terrible sight for men to behold, unless one had been through her rites of initiation and purification. And as a goddess of the moon, she is compared with the mystic Persephone. It was believed that Hecate could bestow the power of prophecy on mortals and facilitate communication between humankind and the divine, and was therefore invoked at oracular shrines. She was thought to control the elements, landscape, moon, and stars, and was displayed along other deities and worshipped at city gates and at entranceways to the temples of other gods. In a literal sense, Hecate was the guardian of the places where three roads met. In a symbolic sense, she helped souls navigate crossroads between the world of the living and the underworld inhabited by the dead. Without Hecate's help, the soul of a deceased person might wander between worlds for eternity, never finding rest. Hecate is considered the queen of lost souls and is therefore connected with darkness and death. She was said to dwell in tombs or near the blood of murdered persons and to send forth demons and spirits from the underworld at night. But Hecate was also thought to linger at crossroads in order to teach sorcery and witchcraft to those who sought her. Then, as now, Hecate was a goddess of magic and a patroness to sorcerers and witches. The magic she wrought took many forms. The power to heal or to kill, to punish and to find justice, to protect the traveler and the home, 
or to curse another. She was frequently associated with the mysterious and frightening elements of life, such as ghosts, nightmares, and the unknowable afterlife. But as much as she drew fear, Hecate also drew fervent support from her followers. Cindy Brennan, in Entering Hecate's Garden, describes Hecate as the witch mother, the queen of witches, the Regina Maleficarum. Throughout history and before, she is the source of the witch's power. Through secret rites under the moon, and singing songs to her, and in cursing in her name, Circe, Medea, and others across the centuries have turned to her as their witch mother. Hecate is a complex goddess. As the three-formed goddess, she is the primal shapeshifter, moving from one form to another and changing her appearance and personality. She is the anima mundi, soul of the world, who presents herself as whatever archetype is needed by the beholder. She is the guardian of our underworld journey, of healing the body and integrating the shadow and soul. Hecate is the benevolent force that fuels the world. She is the primal, the power, that runs through witches in their practice of pharmakeia. When Hecate calls, we experience an awakening of the primal divine feminine within. She calls us to return to her sacred garden to enter the mysteries of plant spirit witchcraft. She exists beyond the laws of men and religious designation, more important than time and a force we have struggled to understand for millennia. In recorded history, Hecate was most likely known by other names. As part of a great mother goddess, the goddess evolved and traveled into Anatolia and other parts of Asia Minor, spreading into what is now Eastern Europe and the Balkans. She became Hecate, adopted by the Greeks as their own, and was later co-opted by the Romans. The earliest records of Hecate dating back about 3,000 years tell us that humans understood her as a mother goddess, ruling over land, sea, and sky. Hecate's cult spread throughout the ancient Mediterranean region until the regular practice of venerating her on the dark moon was common in certain areas on ancient Greece, which is very interesting since we are recording on the new moon. Yes, we are. Ancient writers and philosophers wrote eloquently of her many powers. She was the keeper of the keys of all the universe. Throughout art and literature, as well as in existing records of practitioners and scribes writing about her ancient followers, Hecate is always associated with witchcraft. While some feared her power, others described her as a benevolent yet fierce goddess of healing. Philosophers described her as the Anima Mundi, and practitioners petitioned her for spells, while the religious venerated her as a mighty goddess. In her gentler aspects, Hecate was a goddess of fertility. She is sometimes described as a maiden or virgin, but it might be more appropriate to describe her as unmarried. In the myths, Hecate has no spouse, but she is also a mother, implying she took male lovers on occasion. A goddess of victory and success, she was believed to support farmers, travelers, and soldiers. She was also a guardian of newborns and was revered as a great cosmic life force sought by those who wished to overcome vice and attain virtue. She was believed to sit besides those dispelling judgment. She cared for the young and embodied the light of dawn. As we've learned, she guided souls to the realms of death, but in some interpretations, back into life in a new incarnation. Today, Hecate is commonly thought of as a moon goddess with a threefold identity as a young maiden, a middle-aged mother, and an elderly crone, a more recent product of contemporary neo-pagan beliefs. Hecate's evolution had three stages. Phase one painted Hecate as an eastern great goddess of solar rather than lunar attributes. 
Phase two made Hecate a preeminent goddess of ghosts, magic, and the moon. And phase three created a terrifying goddess, but one with the emphasis on a cosmic life force with soul-nurturing virtues. It is important to understand Hecate as an ever-evolving paradigm, a modern goddess with ancient roots, mysterious and difficult to trace, yet bringing meaning to every culture and individual she touches differently. Next, hymns to and mythos of Hecate. Although she did not originate in ancient Greece, Hecate is most often associated with this culture and time period. To better understand Hecate, it may prove helpful to look at how the ancient Greeks honored their gods. Their religion was a combination of reverence and fear for gods who lived on high on Mount Olympus. These gods could appear to the mortal people, trick them, take them, even marry or mate with them. Religious rites of this period were tied to the cycles of the harvest, life, and death, all connected to the complex identities of the gods they worshipped. Religious life in ancient Greece was accentuated by mystery cults maintained by priests and priestesses devoted to preserving the rights of these gods through secret rituals, many involving devotion to the ancient Hecate. Most of what we know about Hecate comes from descriptions of rituals and devotions dedicated to her, particularly those in ancient Greece and Rome. These give us only a taste of what she was to the people of antiquity. Hecate may have been a household deity honored both in temples and in home. Perhaps so ubiquitous that she needs no myths to explain her. Likewise, the practice and nature of Hecate veneration varied widely depending on the region. Both the Greeks and Romans were traveled peoples. Their own gods may have collected traits from these foreign deities. Hecate may have been absorbed into Greek and Roman culture by well-traveled citizens or brought to them by immigrants from neighboring countries. Others argue that Hecate was not originally an Olympian god, but rather one who belonged to a popular folk religion. Whatever the truth may be, Hecate's diverse and sometimes contradictory form ensured through millennia. Hesiod describes Hecate as honored by Zeus when he took power over the immortals, as she stood with him against the titans in the battle for power. Hecate, who more than all others was honored by Zeus, son of Kronos, he gave her glorious rights, so that she shares in the powers of the earth and exhaustless sea, and she also shares in the honors of star-studded heaven, and she is held especially in honor among the immortals. Zeus did her no wrong, nor took anything away of all that was her portion among the former titan gods. But she holds, as the division was at the first from the beginning, privilege both in earth and in heaven and in sea. Also, because she is an only child, the goddess receives not less honor, but much more still, for Zeus honors her. She also assisted the gods in the war with the Gigantes, or giants, and slew Cletus. When the Gigantes, giants, made war on the heaven, in the course of the battle, Hecate got the Gigante Cletus with firebrands. During Persephone's disappearance, Hecate both witnessed and played a major role in her finding. Then she, Persephone, cried out shrilly as she was seized by the god Hades, but no one, either of the deathless gods or the mortal men, heard her voice, nor yet the olive trees bearing rich fruit, only tender-hearted Hecate, bright-coughed, heard the girl from her cave, and the lord Helios, the sun, then for nine days queenly Dio, Demeter wandered over the earth with flaming torches in her hands, so grieved that she never tasted ambrosia and the sweet drought of nectar, 
nor sprinkled her body with water. But when the tenth enlightening dawn had come, Hecate, with a torch in her hands, met her and spoke to her and told her news. Queenly Demeter, bringer of the seasons and giver of good gifts, what god of heaven or what mortal man has wrapped away Persephone and pierced with sorrow your dear heart? For I heard her voice, yet saw not with my eyes who it was. But I tell you truly and shortly all I know. So then, said Hecate, and the daughter of rich-haired Rhea answered her not, but sped swiftly with her, holding flaming torches in her hand. So they came to Helios, the son, who was watchman of both gods and men, and stood in front of his horses, and the bright goddesses inquired of him. After Persephone was returned from the underworld to Demeter, then bright-coughed Hecate came near them, and often did she embrace the daughter of holy Demeter. And from that time, the lady Hecate was minister and companion to Persephone. Hecate has been described as a sexual partner of Thonian underworld Hermes in certain cults. Both gods were leaders of the ghosts of the dead and were associated with the springtime return of Persephone. Hecate, who has legend tells by the waters of Bobius, a lake in Thessaly, laid her virgin body at Hermes' side. Hecate was also noted to take pity on abused and tortured women, appointing Galenthius, who came to the aid of the mother of Hercules against the will of Hera, as her sacred servant when she was punished and transformed into a weasel. Hecate also took the Trojan queen Hecuba under her wing. The queen has been murdered following the fall of Troy, and the gods transformed her into a black dog, and she became the animal familiar of Hecate. All right, titles and epithets of Hecate. Hecate's name may have the same root as Hecatos, a masculine version meaning worker from afar. The name may also come from Ekato, meaning hundred. The Greeks translate her name with a K and the Romans with a C. So I forgot to mention this earlier that, you know, we pronounce it Hecate. Um, that comes from the Greek Ekate. But many also pronounce her name Hecate or Ekate. Um, some practical magic, for example, Hecate. So when they were doing that spell to bring Jimmy's soul back from the underworld, who would they call? None right. other than Hecate, queen of the lost souls. Makes sense, right? So we've learned Ekato means 100. The number may have indicated her connection with the Hecatombs, places of ritual sacrifice where the traditional offering was 100 oxen, or because she was supposed to possess the power of compelling the ghosts of the unburied, who were doomed to walk the earth for 100 years. Alternatively, members of the Pythagorean cult, who believed that numerical harmony was at the basis of the entire universe, honored 10 as the most perfect number, 10 times 10 being 100, and this number being potentially connected to Hecate may suggest that she was considered a goddess of great harmony and perfection. She was also called Hecate Triformis, Triceps, or Trimorphus, titles which honored her three-formed identity. For a more extensive and impressive list of Hecate's epithets, Matt Aaron, author of Psychic Witch, has taken the time to thoroughly research these names and provided them through pathos.com, for those who wish to work with the different variations of Hecate's identity. These epithets come from the Greek magical papyri, the Chaldean oracles, Greek poetry, hymns and myths, and ancient inscriptions. A few of the epithets have unknown meaning. Other epithets are unverified, but speculated to belong to Hecate. 
Oren says that you will find as you go through the list of epithets of this ancient and vast goddess that many of the epithets are contradictory to others. Being a goddess with such an ancient history and many evolutions and having dominion over so many realms, it's only natural that, for example, the Greek magical pirate epithets, which tend to be darker, are going to vary greatly from those of the Chaldean oracles, which view her as a universal power in Axis Mundi and Anima Mundi. Some of my favorites among these that he has provided are Adamantia, unconquerable, untamed goddess, Agrope, wild-eyed, fierce face, savage watcher, wild voice, Androphinos, killer of men, Boroboroforba, eater of filth, Cheripos, ferocious, aspected, fierce, grim, flashing, bright, having blue-gray eyes of the sea, Damodania, Subduer of subduers, Ephoros, guardian overseer, Kleidukos, keyholder, keykeeper, Kninitis, leader of dogs, and Mormo, she monster. Next part Magical associations of Hecate. Hecate has a strong connection with herbs, both for their powers to heal as well as to poison. Like Hecate, many herbs can embody the powers of both life and death. Hecate was especially associated with herbs growing in cemeteries. The following herbs are sacred to Hecate and may be used to decorate the rite or spell vehicles dedicated to her. As an additional note, some of these herbs listed are not suggested for consumption or skin use, as some are poisonous and can cause skin irritation, but instead are intended to be used as an offering to Hecate. In those cases, it is recommended by the author Courtney Weber to use images of the botanical so as to not expose yourself or members of your household to botanical toxins. If you have an allergy to any of these, select another herb and always do extensive research on a plant before using it. Plants commonly associated with Hecate are aconite, asphodel, basil, cassidony, chamomile, dittany, ginger, greenbrier, hedge mustard, bay laurel, lion's foot, mandrake, oak, poppy, saffron, common sage, and verbena. Offering to Hecate can be left on an altar you have created for her, at a crossroads, or any other place you feel called in her name. Want to know something funny I just realized? What? So Sally Owens, her shop in the town that she lived in was called Verbena or Verbena, however you want to pronounce it. Verbena is associated with Hecate. Hecate was strongly associated with several different animals. The stereotype of the witch and a black cat or even an owl or a bat is a common archetype, as many cultures believe that witches could control or enter the minds of animals or travel with animal companions by their side. Hecate not only appears with several different animals, in several poems and depictions, she also has animal heads or bodies. Some of her more sacred animals were sacrificed to her. Black lambs. As lambs were common in ancient Greece and often sacrificed to Hecate, black animals in particular were thought to be sacred to her for their assumed connection to the darkness of the underworld. Bull. In some prayers, Hecate was described as having horns a bull head or body, presumably to suggest powers of fertility. Dogs, especially black dogs, are perhaps Akate's best-known animal symbol. 
She was said to appear on earth accompanied by her hounds, whose whining and howling announced her approach. Hecate was known as a ruler of demons that appeared in canine form. Dragon. Hecate sometimes appeared with the head of a dragon, but depending on the translation may have been a water serpent, highlighting her connection to both the ocean depths and the underworld. Goat. Horned animals in general were associated with Hecate, and in some rituals, goats were sacrificed to her and could be another symbol of her power over fertility. Hecate is a special patroness of shepherds. The horse is another guide of Hecate, perhaps as a representation of soul fire or demon spirit that served Hecate, as explored in the Chaldean Oracle's texts. Lion. Ironic. Images of Hecate routinely include lions sitting by her side, which may indicate a Middle Eastern origin, where they were a common feature. The appearance of these animals may also suggest her dominion over a land. Hecate references lions in the Chaldean oracles, suggesting that things will appear in lion form to those who summon her regularly. Owl. One of many creatures connected to Hecate is the owl, a bird who can see through the darkness just as Torchbearer herself might. The owl also silently swoops down to devour live prey, and it is therefore directly associated with death. Burial urns in the forms of owls have been discovered, dating back to 300 BCE. The Near East, Western, Anatolia, the Aegean, the Central Europe associate the owl with regeneration. As a symbol of prophecy and wisdom, the owl became another animal of Hecate. Because of her connection to the owl, she may also have a distant associate with Athena, who is also frequently associated with the owl, which it's kind of cool because like when you think of the moon card, you mm -hmm. think of the owl and Hecate is associated with the moon. So like, yeah, it's all coming up Hecate, isn't it? Uh-huh. Hecate has been shown wearing crowns of serpents, carrying them and holding them about her waist. The snake image represents Hecate's powers of the underworld. Sacred serpents are the mark of the Thonian spirit, or a presence from the underworld. Being an animal that burrows under the ground, the serpent was often connected with deities who had power over the dead, and are often posed with Hecate to indicate a protective nature. Specific periods of the moon cycle and times of year associated with Hecate. Cindy Brannon says that the dark moon, the night of the astrological new moon, has been sacred to Hecate's witches since ancient times. On this night, sacred rites are performed in her honor. Further, November is a known sacred month for Hecate, particularly on the 30th of the month. And each month, November 16th, otherwise known as Hecate's night, or Hecate's Depnon. Heliolan.com defines Hecate's Depnon as a time of purification of self, home, and affairs. There are differing theories as to if Hecate's Depnon is solely a meal offered to Hecate, or if there is a secondary intent of the meal offering going to the less fortunate. Cindy Brannon says that November 30th is the night for meeting our witch mother at her eternal crossroads. Our spiritual origin point where the material and mystical interact. The portal to the world of spirits and where we can find comfort when the world make us weary. Not an evening for elaborate witchcraft, but for spending time with Hecate, her ancient witches, and her horde of spirits. 
set aside time on this night for a quiet ritual of remembrance for all the crossroads you traversed and for listening to her wisdom. Hey, Court, when is this episode coming out? Is it the 30th? It's the 30th. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. I think so. Holy shit, you're right. <laughs> Serendipitous. Love that. There you go, witches. This is a perfect thing to do on the 30th when this episode comes out. Just take a listen, spend some time with Hikate, take some notes, do some deeper research, just a, a chill day to honor her. Hikate's associations are vast, and Cindy Brennan doesn't disappoint with the list she provides. Colors commonly associated with Hikate are, shocker, black, red, white, blue, and yellow. Her metals are silver and gold. Her numbers are 3, 7, and 13. Her minerals are pearl, sapphire, ruby, obsidian, jasper, and moonstone. And finally, her symbols are, of course, the crossroads, keys, wheels, torches, and fire. As we've hopefully communicated, Hecate is an ever-evolving and ancient goddess. So, of course, this is not, nor will it ever be, an exhaustive list. All right. Last but certainly not least part of the doc. Honoring Hecate. Food and drink are and have historically been what people have offered gods in many different cultures, perhaps with the belief that gods are going to eat the essence or the fragrance of the offered goods. Preparing a meal or a plate of food for a god or goddess is very satisfying and certainly brings great results, but it's not the only way to do things. Here are a few things Hecate is known to be particularly fond of, according to Courtney Weber. Garlic, wine, onions, cakes, anything sweet, images of dogs, particularly black ones, oxen, snakes, ewes, keys, candles, oak wood, leaves or acorns, honey, and herbs that were mentioned earlier. Because Hecate has historically been summoned through prayers, hymns, and otherwise, using some of her old invocations will bring a great deal of power to your rites with her. Naturally, you can certainly write your own, as personal inscription is a powerful tool. If you decide to write your own invocations, consider preserving them. A great deal of strength grows in invocations when they are used numerous times. Here are a few historical invocations. All hail the many-named mother. Hail, mighty Hikate, the gatekeeper. Shape my life with your glowing torch. Enrich it with many blessings and purge sickness and evil from it. When my soul is enraged over small things, bless me with your healing rituals. I pray to be guided by your gentle hand. When I am weary, be my shield and my guide. Hail, the many-named mother. Hail, mighty Hikate, the gatekeeper. I invoke you, Hecate of the Crossroads, the Three-Faced Lady, Saffron-Cloaked Goddess of the Cosmos, the Underworld and the Ocean, Walker among the Tombs, reveling in the mysteries of the dead, Daughter of Destruction, Lover of the Wild, Night Mother, Protector of Canines, the Greatest Queen, Wild Woman, Primal Irresistible, Key Keeper of the World, Great Lady, I humbly ask for your presence at my sacred rite. All right, now I'm going to read the Banishing the Profane Ritual, which is provided by Cindy Brennan in Entering Hecate's Garden. It's a good cleansing ritual. As you awaken to the sacred fire of the pharmacia within you, you'll become aware of the profane in your life. 
The witch mother desires only to nourish her children, but she offers sacred banishing of what doesn't provide sustenance. The banishing of the profane through Hecate's power is the first act of witchcraft medicine. Through detoxification of the mind, body, spirit, and of others in your space and place, you cleanse yourself of the miasma, the collective spiritual junk that accumulates on us from other people, spirits, and places. This must be removed before any witchcraft can be practiced. The sacred ritual of banishing all that harms is the foundational practice, the anima sacrum of plant spirit witchcraft. Once we remove the harm, we can protect ourselves from future trouble and then bless ourselves and our beloveds through the use of plant spirit medicine and magic. So this is the Knurps ritual. Knurps is the process of combining the three realms of land, sea, and sky, using botanicals, their smoke, and water for purification. The sacred ritual of the transformative power of the three primal forces has been passed down by Hecate's witches for thousands of years. The method of combining the essences of land, sea, and sky using water, plant, and smoke evokes their ancient presence. It is primal, effective, and useful for all situations requiring cleansing. Ideally, the sacred water used in the ritual is made by combining salt water and fresh water, rain, snow, or ice, from natural sources. You can substitute spring water or purified water with sea salt added to represent salt water. You'll need a spring of dried purifying plant like juniper or thyme. If you're using fresh botanical matter, let it dry out for a few days so that it will be easier to burn. Have a black candle burning in a chunk of obsidian in the Knurps vessel. The obsidian can be used in place of the burning sprig. Use black cloths for washing. The vessel or bowl can be whatever you wish. A small brass bowl works well. So you will need pure water, a sprig of juniper or thyme, a sacred vessel, and a lighter. Stand before the prepared water, then light the sprig of thyme with the lighter. Quickly immerse the sprig in the water before it goes out. Hold the vessel up to the sky, then down to symbolize the depths of the sea, and finally at your heart center to represent the land. Wash your hands with the water, then your face. Cleanse your root, pubic bone, heart center, and third eye with three counterclockwise circles. Flip the water off when complete. As you are cleansing, release your miasma into the water on your fingers. As you flip it off, feel the release. At each center say, I cleanse myself with sacred water. Purify any others present, then asperge the space by sprinkling the nerfs, using your left hand and proclaiming, me and welcome are banished. Once you finish asperging, cover the canurse with a black cloth, dispose of it outside if you can, in the compost or in an area that you and your beloved friends don't frequent. This technique banishes all sorts of harmful spirits from a place or a person. Always start with yourself, then move on to others, and finally to the environment. Envision the miasma leaving you and a protective shield forming after it's gone, especially if the concentration of toxins was high. It can be intense work to do the Knurps ritual properly, and it can be equally profound. This ritual can be performed as often as needed. It will shield you from the unwanted spirits as you are awakening as pharmacia occurs. And if you want, invoke Hecate to bless your ritual. She'd certainly like to be there with you as you're cleansing the crap out of your life. But that is it. That is Hecate. Just a, an overview of her. As we said in the beginning, she is so much deeper. She is so much older. She has so much to her. I would highly suggest the books we used as resources, but there are so many more too. So please 
do more research on Hecate. She would love that. She's such a mystery, but not. She comes into your life and she just transforms it and you. And I just see her as a different spectral being mm -hmm. to everybody. Everybody that interacts with her has a different story. But one thing I do see in my experience as a devotee and as just an observer to others is that she comes into your life and you learn your strength. You learn what you can deal with. You learn to stand up for yourself. You learn not to take it. And she's an invaluable source of learning self-worth. So I always suggest invoking her in strength rituals. She is, I mean, literally, what a perfect time to talk about her. Yep. Literally. Literally. Perfect time. Literally perfect, perfect time. But for really, like, what's going on in the world right now, too? Mm -hmm. Like, this is just, it, she's just, she is strength. She mm -hmm. is, she is strength. Yes, for sure. Well, that's it. That's all we got. That is it. You know that we have the mistletoe oil that is in the shop. You don't want to miss it. Um... If you're free in Los Angeles this Friday and this Saturday, we will be vending. We will be posting on the social media where we're vending. But, I mean, we have been posting about it. Come say hi. Come say yeah. hi. Come do your thing. Like, we got that ready to go. Um, We have some really exciting things popping off that we will be telling you about a little bit, like, in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And, um, Sean, is there anything else? Drink your water, honor your gods, treat others the way you want them to treat you. Yeah, and you know where to find us on Instagram and all that good shit. We don't need to say this every single time, but you know where to find us, which is we love you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.